0: To today's show. Today is the 10th of June. I keep wanting to say July, but it's the 10th of June, and it is a Wednesday, and it's not any Wednesday. It's Relationship Wednesday, and we're having a full-on heat wave in Southern California. It is hot, and um, you know it, during the day it can come and go because if you're in the shade or whatever. But at night is when you know, because then it's still warm at night, which is very rare here. So um, we're in a heat wave. I think we're going to be this way until um, Saturday, I think. And we have a brush fire near Bel Air today, and it's not threatening any homes, thank God. But we did have high winds, and now we don't. So, you know, things are at least working out in favor of the fire. So hopefully everybody will be okay. We've had enough crazy We've, I think, hit our crazy quota like two or three months back, so here we are. But today's show, I had to do this show because the people I know, they're younger, most are male, although I've seen it in a female just recently, where they're totally in love with someone, doesn't know, or let them know that they're not interested, or one that they've actually dated and they kept breaking up and going back, breaking up and going back. And I thought to myself, you know, I was them at some point. I was, when I was younger, um, not really that much younger, but where I would hold out, you know, I would really like someone and and just kind of always keep that, in my world or have like someone I really liked, but I wouldn't date for a long time. And that kept me going. And, and I learned later in life to call it, you know, a space filler where you're almost like you're having a relationship, but you, you don't actually have a relationship with the person, but in your mind you do. But what do you do when you really feel like you love someone who's just not available mentally, physically, geographically to love you back. That if a relationship isn't right for one, it's not right for both. Because that's such a true statement. Yet how do we deal with ourselves? Because we can definitely love someone who doesn't love us back. There's no definition on the energy exchange when it comes to love there just isn't you can't you can't tell someone you love them and you can't tell someone you don't you either do or you don't and if you do you have to deal with yourself because the other person is not involved and um oh wait i just i got a segue for a second today is the 15th 100th show, Liam just put, 1,500 shows today. Wow, that's a lot of talking. (laughs) But it's just one drop every day, right? One drop every day. But thank you, Liam, for that. I I realized, I, I remember you saying it would be Wednesday, and here we are already. But back on topic, if we can tell ourselves, And we heard somewhere in life that if a relationship isn't right for one, it's ultimately, ultimately, which is the operative word, not right for both souls. So there's questions. May not seem logical when I'm telling the person or talking to the person. But I do do an exercise with them. Because it's really hard if every person you meet you're comparing to someone you've idolized or put on a pedestal because you don't actually know them that well. You only know what you want to know, but you don't you don't really see what you need to see there. You make excuses for behavior, you try to fix things, you want to come in and do everything for them and... I don't want anyone to ever come into my life and do everything for me or come in and try to fix me. Fix me to what? That's my job. So if someone comes in and wants to just railroad the relationship acting like, but I love you. I'm pure. I'm happy. I am just want your best. Well, what you want that's her best is not your job. She's doing her best and if she's not where you want her to be that's not for you to decide that was one of them cannot micromanage another person's life under the umbrella of how nice you are and how you give with pure intent And then hold on to everything they've done and then throw it up on them. You cannot do that. That is not love. That's neediness. So we have to think about what we want from this person. Why them? And what do they have to do for them to be perfect for us? And we're going to take them and mold them the way we want them. And then they run away because they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, put the brakes on, buddy. I can't do that. That's not right. What do you mean that's not right? I just have your best interests at heart. Look, I've helped you. I've done this. I've done that. And the person's like, get away from me. When we walk into someone's life and we become a full-time job, And we have to babysit your emotions because if you don't get what you want, you're going to go off the rails. That's not going to work. So then you break up and now you idolize that person. And you're in love with them, but they're hurting and you come up with this whole story. And then I I always have to remember in my brain when I'm listening to this and say, but... If it's not right for her, and I hate to be the one to say this, it's also not right for you. So your question is, why am I holding on to that? Why am I idolizing someone? Why do I want to fix everybody? Because I think I'm so together. Because how together can I be if I'm chasing someone down that has rejected me? So upon further investigation, I find out that it's the rejection that was the problem. Had this person not been rejected, had they been not rejected, stayed in that relationship, and saw it for what it was, time would have naturally taken its course. But because it happened in the heightened stage of meeting someone, where she could see the writing on the wall and say, okay, this guy's going to be in every fabric of my life, and I'm not ready for that. And the guy's saying, look at how much I've helped you. She's like, I don't need help. I just wanted to have fun and enjoy my life. I don't want to be fixed. Then we have the poor me story on the one that helped and the runaway story on the one that ran away. But the rejection at the end of the day for the helper was what they couldn't come to terms with. How could somebody not want my help? Because they are tone deaf. They don't listen to anybody. They think that if they do this, they should get that, and if they don't, something's wrong with the people. And at the end of the day, you find out it had nothing to do with love. It had to do with control and rejection, and how dare anybody reject me. And then you break down further and you start talking about how you're not lovable, which isn't true either. I found as I got deeper into the story that one of the hardest things for us to ever deal with is when we are positioned to feel like we love that person, that person's going to fix our life. When there's no reciprocation, no communication, no energy exchange of any kind, person cut you off. And yet, someone makes the decision to focus on that person. It's a very confusing place to be. So I take people back to... Who were you before you met this person? What did you do all day? Where did you go? Were you happy? And I usually get a yes and yeah and I said, Well, how long have you known this person? No, oh, six months. Okay, six months of your entire life. And now you can't live without someone? Is that really how fragile your entire life was? That someone you just met that you actually do not know and your life is hinged on that person? So I always ask, Christ, what's up? Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we put ourselves through this? answer was really quite simple and it was a very realistic answer at times when we really don't want a relationship, full-on relationship because it's a lot of responsibility, it, it comes in in all your time, becomes revolved around the relationship. It's an entity in itself. You do things together. You go places together. You meet each other's families. You buy things. You plan things. You, you know, have to end up, you know, you're only growing one way, and that's more and more and more responsibility to the relationship. And sometimes people will choose someone they know deep inside. They actually don't want the way they are saying or thinking that they want that person. To them, that's their idea of feeling like in the game of relationships, but not really being in one. So when I went back to thinking about how I used to, it used to fill a space for me, right? That's what we do. And a part of it goes back to commitment issues over-commitment issues. We would do this and we would do that if we just had fill-in-the-blank of the name of that person who we are personally using to fulfill something we need fulfilled, to fulfill a space in us. But we have to build worth. We have to build worth. Self-worth. I keep saying self-love and and it's easy to just walk over self-love now because everybody's saying it. But I don't care about saying it. I care about doing it. I care about feeling it. Because saying it isn't going to change anything. But when we get to a point in life where we are, and the reason I want to have this conversation now is we are re-entering our world in different stages and in different countries or different states or even different cities. And we're going back after having had time with ourselves. We're going back into the world with different eyes, different feelings, And one thing I would hope I I would care about a lot to see is that in this time we came out with a better sense of who we are and why we do what we do. A lot of truths got exposed in this time on a grand scale and on a much smaller scale. The grand scale now, it's going to be the opposite of what we see, but the grand scale is what you think about. The smaller scale is what's happening outside because what you think is how what's happening outside of your home in the world affects you. You can look it in the eye. You can run away from it. You can you know, escape to having a one-sided relationship. There's a lot of ways we can run away. But as I've worked with, and and for some reason in this time since March, I have worked very closely with people because they had the time to explore and to discover and to feel things they've never felt before themselves. And in two of them, people that they were holding on a pedestal they actually put that in perspective. And and now, on the, on the way out of all of this, having had the time, because that's critical, but having had the time, say, hey, you know what? If that works out, that's great. And if not, I'm, I'm actually going to go on. And I'm like, yay, you know, keep trying. Understand what's yours in life. But the one thing that we cannot own, are married to someone, is another soul. Even God does not own our souls. God loves our souls. And anyone who's tried to own another person has come up with obstacle after obstacle after rejection after rejection after another obstacle. I've met people, probably the most kind of ownership I've ever seen in a relationship is when one of the two partners is extremely narcissistic and the other partner is such an enabler that they don't even know what's going on and one can't, Cannot live without the other one telling them what to do. They need to know what to do. Just tell me what to do is all they can say. And then they do it to keep the other one quiet. That's the biggest way I've ever seen someone really control another person. It's very subtle, it happens subtly on the way in the relationship, it's running the relationship and they may stay together because they already know the game. But even there you could see where the relationship isn't right for one of them. But it's very advantageous for the other and so it works because the one that it isn't right for has accepted. I know people who've been married up to 40 years doing that but it works for them and that's the only level of happiness they know they don't they can't see beyond it but we can love someone who doesn't love us back in our mind Find so many reasons and the feelings feel so strong because they're everything we want them to be when they're not actually in our lives Because there's nobody to talk back to us. There's nobody to say, wow, you think that? The reality is gone. There is no reality. There isn't any. And that's why we think that the other person can be the perfect person for us. When the sense of reality has gone, they're everything we want them to be. They're doing everything we want to do. They're going everywhere we want them to go because they're in our brain, not standing next to us. And they're perfect. And that's where the delusional part comes in. So I want to say to anybody out there in our world, who's listening to this show, there is someone in your life that you have idolized into perfect for you and you don't really know them. Ask yourself why you are choosing that, especially if you've gotten to the point of trying to interact with that person and they said no in one way, two ways, sometimes three ways, four ways, to understand that it's not that they can't see yet. If it's meant to be in your life, there are lessons for you to learn through this person. Maybe the lessons are exactly what we're talking about right now. I know how painful it is when you really think someone else is going to fill that gap for you or be the perfect person for you because in reality someone cannot be the perfect person for somebody who they they don't even know it does defy logic but again with love sometimes we don't feel we need the exchange rate and we create the exchange rate Liam writes in the chat, I think with men, I can say this as a man, that when they are in love with a woman, they want that woman to fix their emotional baggage. They haven't really fallen in love with that woman, but fallen in love with a need with that woman. That's exactly what, where we're at. That's exactly where we're at. And I just wanted to have the conversation just to put it out on the table, to put words behind the thoughts, to take it out of the mind, that if somebody is not in your life, we have to let it go so that if it belongs in our life, it can find its way to us. Because I'm going to tell you now, the energy of that desperation Of there's no one but you and they've never lived with you. They've never even gone out to dinner with you in some cases. Or even had coffee with you yet. But they become an obsession. A place filler. A doctor of your emotional baggage that Liam is talking about. Or even gives you a project to be realistic about why you want that person, you will find out that it's injured love that's taking you to their door, not love. And the other person, when you come at them and you drop all this love on them, if you ever get the opportunity to say it and you start putting it out on them and the other person just didn't see it coming, it will scare the heck out of them because think about it. They're going about their business, and here's a person who based their whole life of feelings on them, and they're like, what? Where did that come from? Oh, my God, that's so scary because they don't think of themselves the way you have thought of them. They don't watch their every move. You're watching their every move. And you've even concluded, oh, I know why you do this. I've had people tell me, like, oh, well, she's just going to church because she's lost. Like, who are you to tell me, tell her that this is why she's going to church? Let her go to church. Well, that's why she broke up with me. She's following a cult. It doesn't matter. That's her life, not yours. We have to truly think about what we're saying. Who are we to determine somebody else's whereabouts? There are many very kind, very nice people who underneath all of that, there's an injury that feels like it has to control everything, and it comes to us by them doing things for us. And then when they don't get what they want, it's all about everything they've done for you and they feel sorry for themselves and they start beating themselves up because look at everything I've done, everything I've invested in without you asking them to. Without you asking them to. And that's where the pain comes in. That's what needs to be healed. It has nothing to do with loving But it has to do with injury to love. I know someone who's been rejected. They never went out on a date. Been rejected. The girl said she was interested. She wanted to be interested. She wanted him to ask her out. He asked her out and she ghosted him. Just totally ghosted him. I never knew the term ghosted until I knew this story. And I'm like, oh, that's what they call that when someone doesn't respond. And I love that term because it filled the gap in my thoughts of what actually is happening. That they were ghosted. And I'm like, oh, I couldn't believe how happy I was to know that term. I've been ghosted in my time. I must have ghosted some people, maybe knowingly or not. I don't know, but... I'm sure I've been on both sides of that, but it just sounded so clear, you know, in the the younger generation, and then I found out the word was around for an actually long time, so that just goes for my age. But it was funny when I heard it, but I thought, that's what happens right there, ghosted. Jeez. Let's think about that. Why would someone do that? especially if they know you're interested. The questions go back to us. Questions go back to, am I filling a space? Can I have a different narrative in my head? Can I say, hey, why am I doing this instead of this person's going to fix me or fill up a gap in my life? Am I postponing my life waiting for this person to come in? Do I have a confusing narrative in my head, like, oh, my God, if they just came in, my life would be great? Like, what am I doing? Do I have overcommitment issues? Do I have undercommitment issues? Am I closing off other possibilities because I'm really scared of a relationship? So my excuse is, well, I'm in love with someone who doesn't know it yet. Let's think about our behavior, our thoughts, our feelings. You guys, I love you guys so very much. Please take care. And I will see you tomorrow for Dream Theme Thursday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.